Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone, you just end up living with it? I don't think so. Verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one. You break it, we upgrade it. You dunk it, doggy bone it. <laughs> Slam it, wham it, strawberry jam it. We upgrade it. Get a 5G phone on us with select plans. Every customer, current, new, or business. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. Today is Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. We're one day away from the uh, January 6th anniversary of the insurrection led by Donald Trump and his maggot idiots. The day thousands believed the lie and rushed the U.S. Capitol to stop the presidential vote verification. Uh, Democrats are going to focus on it. Republicans are trying to ignore it. Also, the first U.S. case of Florona has been de uh, detected in Los Angeles. We'll give you the details. Plus, there's got to be a connection in the bomb threats to nine HBCUs. We'll take a look at which schools were targeted. A Philadelphia man is out of prison after 37 years and finding out the key witness in his case was convicted of lying not long after his conviction. You won't believe what the witness got in exchange for his false testimony. The oldest World War II veteran, the Basketball Hall of Famer, and an RB singer. They have now become ancestors. We'll tell you who they are. Uh, plus, actor Richard Lawson survived a plane crash. He also uh, became a soap opera star even after firing his agent who suggested the idea. A great conversation, rolling with Roland. One-on-one uh, -on -one interview with actor Richard Lawson. Uh, all of that, it's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Yeah. It's on go, 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 y'all. It's rolling, Martin.
Tomorrow marks January 6th. That is the one-year anniversary of the day when thousands of maggots supporting Donald Trump went to the U.S. Capitol uh, to protest. It turned into an insurrection and a riot. They attacked numerous Capitol Hill police officers, uh, uh, throwing things at them, causing mass destruction. Uh, it was an awful, awful day. Uh, Republicans goaded that on. They, uh, of course, uh, saw those, these things unfolding, and then they were doing their best in order to try to allow it to continue. They wanted to thwart the, of course, certification of the election of Joe Biden. Today, Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, spoke to the issue in terms of what the Department of Justice has been doing to hold those individuals accountable for what took place a year ago. Necessary consequence of the prosecutorial approach of charging less serious offenses first is that courts impose shorter sentences before they impose longer ones. In recent weeks, however, as judges have sentenced the first defendants convicted of assaults and related violent conduct against officers, we have seen significant sentences that reflect the seriousness of those offenses, both in terms of the injuries they caused and the serious risk they posed to our democratic institutions. The actions we have taken thus far will not be our last. The Justice Department remains committed to holding all January 6 perpetrators at any level accountable under law, whether they were present that day or were otherwise criminally responsible for the assault on our democracy. We will follow the facts wherever they lead. Let's go to our legal panel and talk about that. Uh, of course, uh, joining us right now is uh, A. Scott Bolden, a former National Bar Political Action Committee Chair. Uh, Robert uh, uh, joins us right now. Uh, first of all, um, Robert P uh, Potillo, Executive Director. This long title, y'all. Rainbow Push Coalition Peach Tree Street Project. Monique Presley, Legal Analyst, Crisis Manager. Uh, folks, uh, let's just be real clear here. Uh, you know, we know who led this riot. We know who instigated this riot. Uh, and... Uh, here are some ads that people are putting out showing you the sheer hypocrisy of Republicans uh, on this very issue. Watch this uh, one ad right here. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress. President Trump is responsible for provoking the events of the day. The president's language and rhetoric crossed a line and it was reckless. The president needs to understand that his actions were the problem, not the solution. This is the cost of telling thousands of people that there is a legitimate shot of overturning the election. All the fingerprints of an Antifa operation, it's the way they operate. I knew those are people that love this country, that truly respect law enforcement, would never do anything to, to break a law. We now know there was no armed insurrection. Nobody had arms. There was no insurrection, and to call it an insurrection, in my opinion, is a bold-faced lie. If you didn't know the TV footage was a video from January the 6th, you would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. Was January 6th an insurrection, or could it be more accurately described as a mob of misfits? It was Trump supporters who lost their lives that day. Uh, not Trump supporters who were taking the lives of others. Truth is being censored and covered up. As a result, the DOJ is harassing peaceful patriots across the country.
out of their minds. Uh, they are absolute liars. Uh, they are participants uh, in this insurrection, Monique. Uh, and and uh, hopefully, President Joe Biden uh, tomorrow is going to speak truth to power and say exactly uh, who uh, was wrong in all of this, and they should be all held accountable. Well, I mean, he's the power speaking the power. So, you know, I mean, there's no bigger po power uh, for him to speak truth to. But I am hoping that uh, he will hey, use the go. opportunity yeah. to be bold and use plain language about what happened and about a path forward, which is really what is necessary here. Um, the unfortunate part, though, Roland, is that it doesn't really matter what he says. There is a group, we're calling them fringe, but it's not really Fringe, if we don't know an accurate count on the numbers, there is a group that no matter what he says, they view him as an illegitimate president. They view anything that he says as a lie, and they skew any and everything they hear in order to keep themselves and keep the former president blameless. And there, there is nothing. Uh, that can be done in one speech tomorrow to fix that. Uh, this is what Jen Psaki, the White House spokesman, uh, had to say about uh, President Biden's plans uh, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, the president is going to speak uh, on Capitol Hill. Is he going to address his predecessor's role in the riot? Uh, yes. And let me give you a little more preview of that. Um, so, um, in addition, and I know I noted this yesterday, but I think it's important for people to let me briefly reiterate, um, the president is going to speak to the truth of what happened, not the lies that some have spread since, and the peril opposed to the rule of law and our system of democratic governance. He will also speak to the work we still need to do to secure and strengthen our democracy and our institutions to reject the hatred and lies we saw on January 6th and to unite our country. Uh, I'd also note that um, President Biden has been uh, clear-eyed about the threat the former president represents to our democracy and how, how the former president constantly works to undermine basic American values and rule of law. And President Biden has, of course, spoken repeatedly about how the former president abused his office, undermined the Constitution, and ignored his oath to the American people in an effort to amass more power for himself and his allies. Uh, he sees January 6th as a tragic culmination of what those four years under President Trump did to our country. And they reflected the importance uh, to the president of winning uh, what he has called many times, and you've heard him call many times, the soul, the battle for the soul of our nation. So just as you heard him say on January 6th of last year, I would expect that President Biden will lay out the significance of what happened at the Capitol and the singular responsibility President Trump has for the chaos and carnage that we saw. And he will forcibly push back on the lies spread by the former president in an attempt to mislead the American people and his own supporters, as well as distract from his role in what happened. So. Uh, he will, of course, speak to the moment, uh, to the importance uh, in history of the peaceful transfer of power, of what we need to do to protect our own democracy and be forward-looking. But he will also reflect on the role his predecessor had. Will they call Donald Trump out by name? Uh, we'll see. We're finalizing the speech. But I think people will know who he's referring to. One more question. When it comes to He should call him out by name. Scott? I mean, sure, but, Scott? but everybody knows who no, he is. Scott? Sorry, yeah. I didn't hear you Scott? Scott. Yeah. Scott, he should, think, he, should, he should call him out by name. And he should keep calling him out by name. Uh, this was an incredible juxtaposition, the video that you showed, and then the statements made by these Republican leaders closer to January 6th and then later. Uh, there, there's just no excuse 
for this insurrection, this domestic terrorism. Five police officers died. Some would argue that 10 died because of the ramifications of them being there. 140 law enforcement people were, were injured. These are facts, and the videos don't lie. And what's amazing about the divisiveness in this country is that there is a significant portion of the Republican Party and of America who will believe whatever Donald Trump says, despite what they see. It's like your grandmother said, are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? And they're going to believe Donald Trump and not their lying eyes. And so it's just really, really disappointing. But the real issue for Clinton, I'm sorry, the real issue for Biden and for the DOJ is what are we going to do about this political violence or the threat of political violence as we move forward? We cannot ignore it. Whether we have to negotiate with them or whether we have to put it to bed, we cannot go into 2022 and 2024 with that segment of society out there that's willing to commit violence based on politics and the big lie. We've got to hear about that tomorrow from Biden. Uh, Robert, I just don't think you can uh, dance around this. There are 57 people who participated in the, in the actions on that day who are running for office uh, as Republicans across this country. You've got Donald Trump uh, continually lying. You've got uh, Peter Navarro out there talking about they had 100 House members lined up uh, to essentially throw this back to six states and have the House uh, uh, vote on this to steal uh, this election. Uh, the co-conspirators are, are there on Capitol Hill as we speak. And I just think you don't allude to it. I don't think you sort of, uh, you know, go roundabout. No, I think you have to look evil in the eye and call those demonic spirits out. You're absolutely correct. You know, I was on uh, Santita Jackson's radio show this morning with uh, social scientist White McKee, and Dr. McKee made a very good point that if you look at what happened in the early 90s, if you look at Waco, Ruby Ridge, um, Michigan Militia, that all led up to the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. So you can very much look at January 6th as being the dry run, the uh, uh, the practice round. Didn't really know what they were doing. They organized it last minute. Um, people are coming in from all over the country. But what happens next time? If we do not prosecute these people, if we do not change laws, if we do not empower law enforcement to address uh, to address what happened then, what happens next time when they come back better organized, better planned, and with, and with as you said, uh, a majority in the House, a majority in the Senate, and a majority of, of those members who are part of this Stop the Steal MAGA domestic terrorism movement? What happens when the prison guards are the co-conspirators, so to say? So to mm -hmm. think that they're just simply going to slink back into the population, go away, they tried one time and they're not going to, going to try again. Well, that's just as antithetical to history. So unless we want to start seeing this happen at every single state house for every governor's election, uh, every state in the, or every local race, when it's mayor or county commissioner, you got a, a crowd of angry MAGAs at the door ready to overthrow City Hall. Well, we are going to have to take drastic action on the federal level to make sure that this nation knows that it's not simply election security, it is republic security. If you're in France, you'll notice they say they are the fifth French Republic. That's because those republics have risen up and fallen to dictators over and over again throughout their mm -hmm. history. We have to stop thinking that this democracy, this republic, is eternal. If we do not stand up and fight for it, then it goes away, and we end up in the same type of authoritarian, autocratic government that they want and that they've been planning for for decades. Uh, Monique, do you believe that Merrick Garland is moving too slow uh, to prosecute those involved on January 6, 2021. 
No, I don't have any way of knowing what fast or slow is. Um, he <coughs> is doing um, a methodical, uh, thorough investigation. And as he said in the clip that you played and beyond that, they start at the bottom, it's low hanging fruit, and they work their way up and they put the pieces together to get to a place where whatever they can prove with evidence beyond a reasonable doubt they charge. Uh, and so while everybody may know where we are heading and whom we believe should be held responsible, there really is only one right way for the Justice Department to do their job. That doesn't mean, however, that there aren't other agencies or other bodies of government, for instance, the legislative branch, that can't be doing other things that go along with what Robert just finished saying. We have people who, who are serving as members of Congress who are in fear of other members of Congress who are gun-carrying, who are threat-wielding, yeah. um, who voted against the legitimacy and, and the, the, the peaceful transfer of power, and they are walking around in office. So there have to be ways uh, to censure and to remove people who do not stand for this government that they took an oath of office to protect. So I think everything has to happen at once. Uh, and I think it is happening at once, but I, I think rightly so. We will not know what the Justice Department is doing until they do it. Bottom line here, uh, Scott, bottom line here, Scott, uh, you cannot play footsie with evil. Uh, these people are evil. Uh, you, you must call them out. They must be arrested. Yes, Democrats should be moving to throw out Congressman Paul Gosar, throw out Lauren Boebert, throw out uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't give a damn what Kevin McCarthy has to say. Republicans are going to defend their own uh, uh, regardless of whatever they do, and you must expose these people uh, for the menace to society that they are. They, they, and it's offensive. It, it's just outright offensive. It's, it's not loyalty. They're not patriots. They're not loyalists to democracy. They're loyalists to power and politics and violence. And you saw it unfold there. And so what's moving too slow, in my opinion, is why hasn't Donald Trump been charged or subpoenaed to come before the, uh, the committee uh, uh, that, that's investigating this? Why haven't the 100 co-conspirators in the House, perhaps some in the Senate, been uh, subpoenaed to come testify? And why can't we move faster on those who would fight the subpoena? Fight a subpoena to come give testimony for bad acts being committed, uh, treasonous acts, insurrectionist acts against two-thirds of our government, attacks on our democracy, and these are elected officials. It is just downright unbelievable. And I got to tell you, the, the precursor to a potential civil war. Again, if we don't prosecute these people, but do more, but address this, this divisiveness in this country, because that's where we're headed. This democracy hasn't been challenged in, in several, uh, several centuries, if you will. But there's no reason to stop and not think that this democracy could be challenged again by these divisive, far-right, uh, conservative extremists. We better take notice because it's a real possibility. Uh, uh, and, Robert, this is what uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, had to say today uh, in the Senate Rules Committee uh, as they talked about uh, uh, January 6th. Let's be clear. Let's be very clear. 
January 6th was not a mere, not merely a census act of a mob violence that sprung up spontaneously. It was an attempt to reverse, through violent means, the outcome of a free and fair election. And make no mistake, the root cause of January 6th is still with us today. It is the big lie pushed by Donald Trump that is undermining 57. faith in our political system and making our democracy, our country, less safe. The biggest threat to our capital, our capital police, and our democracy is the insidious, insidious motives stemming from the big lie propagated by the former president and many of his Republican allies across the country. We can and we will continue to make sure the Capitol is safe from a security point standpoint. But without addressing the root causes of the violence on, or on January 6th, the insurrection will not be an aberration. It could well become the norm. Real clear here, Robert, the people who were involved in this, if the Republicans win the House and the Senate after the midterms, these, are the, these evil people, these menace to society, they are going to be the ones in charge. Exactly, and that's what we need to fear. And for Chuck Schumer, I think also there's a legislative aspect to it. Part of <clears throat> part of the issue that Barrett Garland has is uh, there aren't laws on the books that make this illegal, quite frankly, and what many of these people have done. So what um, uh, a lot of these people are were charged with are you know misdemeanor tra misdemeanor trespassing charges, being in the Capitol not during tour hours, and that's where they're getting these light sentences, you know, 90 days in jail, six months in jail along those lines. Meanwhile, there's somebody sitting in jail for 20 years over weed, and so and another person who stormed the Capitol gets 60 or 90 days in custody. So Congress has to go through and actually create a suite of legislation that will ensure that if this happens again in the future, those members of Congress who are involved are automatically expelled. That should just be across the board. If you're if you participated in an insurrection against the American government, you should be automatically expelled from Congress. They shouldn't have to vote on it. You shouldn't have to have a political majority to do so. And also for individuals who stormed the Capitol in this nature, you have to create federal charges for them to make it easier to prosecute them in the future. That sends the message this, this will not be tolerated in this democracy. And frankly, I think you can get moderate Republicans on board with that. Uh, bottom line here uh, is, again, I remind people, these are the people who will be in charge if nothing is done. I need people to understand that. Uh, and so if you dance around it, you play cute, uh, nah, that's not how you deal with evil. Uh, you must confront it head on. All right, folks, hold tight one second. I got to go to break when we come back. Uh, more on Roland Martin unfiltered, including uh, our daily report on black and missing. Also, bomb threats against nine HBCUs what is happening in America? You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network.
it's time to be smart. Roland Martin's doing this every day. Thank you, Roland Martin, for always giving voice to the issues. Look for Roland Martin in the whirlwind, to quote Marcus Garvey again. The video looks phenomenal, so I'm really excited to see it on my big screen. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. I got to defer to the brilliance of Dr. Carr and to the brilliance of the Black Star Network. I am rolling with Roland all the way. Honored to be on a show that you own. A black man owns the show. Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Roland was amazing on that. Hey, Black, I love y'all. I can't commend you enough about this platform that you've created for us to be able to share who we are, what we're doing in the world, and the impact that we're having. Let's be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. You dig? My name is Charlie Wilson. Hi, I'm Sally Richardson Whitfield. And I'm Kira Reed has been missing from Chicago since December 30th, 2021. The 15-year-old is 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighs 100 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a dark hoodie and skinny black jeans. She has long hair that she likes to wear up. Anyone with information on Kira Reed's whereabouts should please call Chicago Police Department at 312-744-8266. 312-744-8266. Yesterday, nine HBCUs across the country received bomb threats. The school included Howard University, North Carolina Central, Xavier Spellman, Texas Southern University, Norfolk State, the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, Florida Memorial, and Prairie View A&M. The threats led to evacuations and investigations by law enforcement officials. Presently, no credible threats were found, and students and faculty are safe. Florida Memorial tweeted in part yesterday, after a thorough search, no suspicious packages were found and no one was harmed. The campus returned to normal. Today, officials have not released uh, any leads on the bomb threats, and we're certainly keeping our eyes on the story and will give you any updates. That should be a serious concern, Robert, because clearly uh, to have nine HBCUs, that means someone is specifically targeting historically black colleges and universities. Exactly, and I think that was my first thought, many of the people's first thoughts, that if you look at the amount of notoriety that HBCUs have gotten in the popular culture in the mass meeting the last couple of years, uh, with that additional attention comes additional bad actors. You know, you have Dion bringing spotlight to Jackson State. You have Howard University, um, of course, being preeminent uh, in public attention. You have Clark Atlanta and the Atlanta University Center. Uh, many of these white supremacist groups and bad actors had no idea they existed because it was outside of their purview. But now that they're in the spotlight, now that they see 
see the threat that they pose to uh, systemic racism and the traditional white power structure is going to bring these sorts of uh, threats, and thank God they were fake this time. But we do have to uh, work out and look at increasing security of these institu institutions to make sure that our next generation of black leaders are uh, safe and secure on campus. The thing we also must look at here, Scott, and I'm not connecting these two, we talk about January 6th, but what doesn't get talked about a lot were the pipe bombs that were found outside the Democratic National Committee, and they still have not found the person who uh, actually placed those there. Yeah, you know, that, that's a good point. Uh, the, what we need to watch now, and I agree with Robert, what we need to watch now is whether there'll be any additional bomb threats against any of the other HBCUs. Is there a pattern in practice? How were these threats uh, received by the schools, whether it was in writing or communications or verbal communications, and kind of what the police are sifting through to try to trace those calls, whether it's a burner phone or not? You know, they've got to use some type of uh, phone system, and those records can be reviewed. Um, it, it's, it's disturbing. But I think there's a relationship between these bomb threats and not only the high-profile nature of these institutions, but the fact that they're receiving millions of dollars from major white donors uh, as a result of George Floyd. And, and with that will come this negative behavior by that far-right extremist domestic terrorism. But I think they ought to be on call or be on, or be on, um, on notice and take security measures beyond the fact that this was a fake call. They've got to be on notice and be on security alert for some time now. Uh, That's Mon the new reality. Obviously, Monique, this causes serious disruptions. Um, uh, you got students returning uh, back to campus uh, uh, and returning to classes. Uh, and so hopefully uh, this uh, won't continue, but it should be of concern uh, that it hit nine HBCUs on one day. Yes, uh, but what I would hope would happen, because this would not just be domestic terror or a type of uh, terror attack if any of them were actually followed through. It would also be a hate crime. Uh, and so there are a number of federal agencies that, one, should be involved in surveillance and perhaps already were. I don't know when intelligence, the FBI or the CIA were receiving about this before it happened, uh, but also can be involved in the protection of these universities. So where these trigger points have happened and where we now know about it, that should be enough for there to be enhanced protection and surveillance systems across the board. All right, folks, let's talk about COVID. The first U.S. cases of Florona have been reported in California. Florona is having both influenza and coronavirus at the same time. The patient is described as a teenage boy with mild symptoms who tested positive for both viruses. He and his family had just returned from Cabo San Lucas. He was the only member experiencing symptoms. Only one of his parents uh, has tested positive for COVID. Just to understand uh, how serious this is, go to my iPad, please. The NFL is looking at having uh, Dallas, uh, actually Arlington, Texas, where the Cowboys play to be the backup in case they can't play the Super Bowl in uh, Los Angeles as a result of the outbreak of uh, Omicron. Also, uh, the Grammys announced they are delaying the January 31st Grammys, uh, Grammy ceremony uh, taking place. Uh, no word from the NAACP uh, on if they're going to be moving and changing uh, the uh, date of the NAACP Image Awards, which is going to be uh, in late February. I mean, the, you know, look, the bottom line is, 
you know, that there's, there's grave concern because of how Omicron is just spreading all across the country. Uh, you have a new variant that's been found in France. Now, of course, you have uh, this Florona. Uh, it is something that, uh, we, that we have to uh, pay attention to, Robert, and it is the new normal. And again, people can run around and, and people can keep uh, saying, hey, this is no big deal. Uh, and you can have these folks, these, these anti-vaxxers out there. You got idiots like Candace Owens who goes, I would rather die than get the vaccine. Well, guess what? COVID don't give a shit uh, whether, <laughs> about uh, how you think. Uh, and, and, and again... Come to sit tight. And, and look, I mean, look, it, 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 it don't play. <laughs> look, I've, I've had these people try to come at me, uh, why are you trying to tell our people to get this poison? All right. Go ahead and mess around if y'all want to. Uh, but you look at these, uh, we look at these numbers. When I look at these healthcare professionals uh, who are just, uh, just inundated and, and talking about how they have been just impacted and decimated uh, by COVID. I was reading Dr. Tyson Bell's uh, Twitter feed um, yesterday and today, where he was talking about uh, just again what it has been like uh, dealing with this and and, and how uh, how hard uh, it, it's been. It's been difficult. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, they were talking about uh, the number of people who they've had uh, to, to, to assist in how these um, rooms have been filled. Don't get my iPad yet, please. Thank you. Um, they've been talking about how many people uh, uh, in terms of um, uh, rooms being filling up. In fact, uh, this is, I'm going to show you a tweet in a second. Uh, this is a tweet that Dr. Tyson Bell sent out. Reflections from another ICU week, seeing multiple family members admitted or have died from COVID. They're unvaxxed. Admitting family members of staff, again, also unvaxxed. Staffing is stretched beyond thin. Same story across the country. Y'all, Omicron Delta is crushing us. Robert Mile Clinic announced that they're firing 700 staffers because they refuse to get vaccinated. Look, Roland, I'm not saying that we're doomed. Uh, but it, it's seeming very doomish. Like, 2022 is starting off, and it feels very 2020-ish right now. The people who are not currently vaccinated, for the most part, ain't getting vaccinated. And we just got to start, you know, saving up to put that GoFundMe up for the funeral and all that stuff. And I hope they have some health insurance, because we, we have to figure out how to progress and move on as a society from people who simply are just banging their head against the wall and saying that they're not going to do the most fundamental uh, and baseline things to protect public health. Look, you still have people who don't want to wear masks, who are anti-maskers. We are three years into a pandemic. How are you still an anti-masker? Um, there's a... There's a movie on Netflix right now, Don't Look Up, where there's an asteroid coming to kill everybody, and still half of the population refuses to even look up and see the asteroid coming to kill us. That is the people who are right now refusing to get vaccinated, refusing to get boosted, don't want to social distance, don't want to wear masks. You know, Atlanta be open, open on weekends. They pretend that nothing ever happened. So I'm not sure how we can ever get past this as long as you have a large portion of the population that refuses to follow science, refuses to follow even the most baseline efforts at... Uh, at public health. You know, I had Omicron a couple weeks ago. I promised myself I was going to lose 20 pounds by the new year. Uh, Omicron came along and knocked that right on out. I, mean, uh, you ain't, I, I know the feeling. If I could just get like a little bit of Omicron, like just like a little bit before summer, no, so I'm going to be bad. I'm be out there. No, like, just like the good part. No, but damn that. Let me tell you. Don't say that. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Hold on. It, it, it was rough. It was two hold rough up. days. I'll definitely say that. Let me tell you something right now. Uh, I dealt with it. Uh, I don't want to deal with it again. I don't give a damn about no mild symptoms. Uh, when you see, when you see, when you see a fever hit 104, uh, that is nothing to play around with. You want to get that down as quickly as possible. Uh, the thing that we're also looking at, Monique, of course, you look at the 
again, the mild Clinic, the esteemed mild Clinic, having to fire nearly 700 employees because they refused to get vaccinated. And their whole deal is how in the hell can we be a health care provider? Uh, and then uh, y'all don't want to get vaccinated. Uh, and so people, and then, which now that's going to put further stress on the medical system. These hospitals having to fire people who are working at hospitals who don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah, and this is all um, very Jim Jones-ish, right? Because uh -huh. to me, there is there's a through line, there's a thread, there's there's a direct connection and and a place of responsibility for all of this. So the segment that we just finished uh, about tomorrow's anniversary and about what happened on January 6th and who was responsible for it is the same conversation that we are having about these, these mm -hmm. vaccine refusers, these mask refusers. It is all stemming from the same place of manipulation, the same place of ignorance, and as you say, Roland, the same place of evil. So when we are looking at our society, because I think it doesn't help us just to, to figure out case by case by case what is happening, what we are seeing, uh, as I think Robert said earlier, is we're seeing the deterioration of democracy, yes, but also the deterioration of independent thought. We do not have common facts. So we cannot reach common conclusions. And even our debates are striated, um, infused with stupidity because we have people who have controlled the narrative and controlled the minds, the thought processes and the decisions of others who are weaker and who are easier influenced. And we are seeing the, the consequences in, in blood, in, in death, in economy. In, in voting, we are seeing it everywhere. So whomever doesn't believe when they look at other countries that have had democracies that were older than ours and fell, they need to wake up and wake up now. Uh, I agree with that, Scott. And it's, look, it's just, you know, look, people keep talking about, oh, symptoms are mild, mild, mild. Folks are still dying as a result of COVID. Hospital ICUs are still being filled up. Uh, and and, and, I, and if I hear one more damn person say, do your own research, I'm sorry, you're dealing with people who, you're dealing with people who talk shit to me, who can't even Google segments that we've actually done right. on the very thing. I mean, I get people coming at me, uh, I had some dumbass today, you ain't, man, you called out Antonio Brown, you ain't never called out Aaron Rodgers, you ain't never called out Jason Whitlock, and I'm like, I was in Los Angeles for a whole hour, sit down, dogging Jason Whitlock to his face. All right. And I'm like, right. it's a basic, it's basic YouTube search. And so that's what kills me. Do your own research. I'm like, you don't know what the hell you even looking for. I mean, look, I, look I, I took, I took some Crea Motion cough medicine. I don't know what the hell's in that Crea Motion. That's right. I was not sitting here going, hmm, let me look at all the ingredients. Uh, what y'all come on. That's, I mean, that's, that's what we're dealing with, folk who, who, who don't, who, who do, don't even ask a question what's in a hot dog. Yes. Or the what's, marijuana. What's in or cheese? Come on, man, go ahead. Uh, or what's in their marijuana, or what's in other drugs that they take, or the cigarettes they smoke. I mean, we can't even agree in this democracy right now on what the truth is. Is, is the sky blue or not? 
they'll say, well, it's a reddish color, looking at a blue sky. And, and Roland, I don't, here's a thought for you, perhaps the panel, too. You know, maybe this is just where we are. Maybe we're just, we spend a lot of time criticizing the anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers and Republicans and what have you. This First Amendment is really killing us on this uh, COVID piece. Maybe this is the new reality. Maybe we're going to have to just manage uh, COVID going forward, manage the bad actors. Maybe we don't get the herd immunity, and we just got to live with this until our democracy dies. Well, but here's, but here's, that's but here's the where issue. We're but 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 the issue though, it, it, this issue actually pre predates COVID. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about here, Robert, really. Um, with the explosion of social media, the explosion of TikTok doctors, <laughs> the explosion of YouTube scientists, the explosion of uh, Twitter political scientists. So, so we're now operating in this world where people actually think that they are experts on shit they don't know nothing about. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't, I remember when, when, uh, when Ferguson jumped off. There were people who were, man, why are you not on the ground in Ferguson? Because we don't have the equipment to broadcast the show live. Well, uh, there are other people who are there. Other people don't have a show. They're holding a phone up. What they, I mean, so they were sitting there going back and forth with me, and I'm going, do you even remotely understand that in order to broadcast a show for two hours, because we were 7 to 9 a.m. on TV One, we actually have to have a stable connection. You must have the very equipment to do that, the lighting and all of those different things. We literally had none of that. We had none of those things at that time at TV One. And so these folks were going off, and I'm like, you don't even have a show. So you're telling me how to do my job when you know nothing about my job. And that's where we are, because these people think they can, you, they can Google anything, and now they are an expert on how to do your job. I know people who are construction engineers. I, I don't even like changing a light bulb. You think I'm about to sit here and have a debate with an engineer on how to construct a building? No. That's why you hire somebody who went to school to become an engineer. But that's where we are now. We got everybody and their mama who think they on YouTube. And I, I got people, man, hitting me up. I had a sister who hit me up. And I'm going to go, she said, you need to have Rizla Islam on your show. I said, is he a, to talk about COVID, I said, is he a doctor or a scientist? No. I said, why would I have him on? Well, he's well-read. I said, I'm sorry, is he a doctor or a scientist? No. Well, why am I going to have him on to talk about COVID? Now, I could have easily not even mentioned his name and just could have alluded to it, but, but I'm giving an example. And she was going back and forth. I said, would I have a non-lawyer on breaking down the Derek Chauvin verdict. If they were an activist, that's their lane. I said, but I'm not going to have a non-lawyer 
breaking down the legal aspects of the Derek Chauvin verdict. I said, if I'm, if, if I'm having a conversation about food, I'm probably going to have a chef. I'm not gonna have a car mechanic who doesn't cook. Just because he read a cookbook does not make him a chef. And I think that's just where we are. We are at, well, well, it would be a great debate. You'd get a lot of views. And I said, I don't need them. I said, I'm not interested in using my platform talking to people who are not experts on the subject. Now, does he have an opinion? Yes. Does he have lots of followers? Yes. Do people go, oh, man, I love what he has to say? Yes. That's great. And I told her they are more than welcome to listen to him on any of those platforms. But I am not going to have somebody on discussing a medical health issue who does not have any expertise in the issue. I said, send me his bio. She did. I saw where he mediated some gang dispute. I said, if we were having a conversation about how to deal with gang issues, I would more than welcome to invite him because he has experience in that. But I'm not having a conversation about COVID if you got no knowledge or experience on that very issue. And also, I think he's on some list, the 12 biggest disinformation, something, it's some list, whatever. I don't, I, it's a bunch of people, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s on it. But again, I'm just not gonna do it. I'm just not. I am not going to waste time talking to people who are not experts or subject matter experts. It ain't gonna happen. Well, Roland, to your point, we live in a society right now that it, where everything is up for debate. There is no such thing as expertise. It's all about who has the loudest voice, the biggest microphone. As my best friend Tyrone says, um, social media gives everybody an opinion, and that's the problem with it. And so you can have somebody who's a NFL quarterback debating a, uh, an immunologist uh, who has 50, uh, 50 years of experience in uh, disease control under their belt. Well, they think that that's an even discussion because they're both well-known notarized uh, people of notoriety. And I, I give people this challenge. You don't want to believe experts. Take all the money out of your bank account. Don't go to a financial planner. Don't go to a certified uh, advisor. Don't go to a CPA. Don't go to an accountant. Go to your homeboy down the street who posts stuff on Facebook and just tell him, invest all my money for me. So if you're not willing to go to, uh, if you're uh, willing to put all of your money at risk on somebody that you saw on the internet who's not an expert or something, then why would you put your health at risk with somebody who's on the internet who does not have an expertise in something? We have to get back to at least sharing the same objective reality, even back to the January 6th people. Those folks do not share and inhabit the same reality that the rest of us do. And so when you have different uh, silos of information, different silos of knowledge, you can pick and choose the people you follow. You can pick and choose the truth that you want to believe in, and that only leads to continued division in the country, because if we do not have a common core set of facts that we all can agree on, then we don't have a nation that we live in anymore. And I, and I just, and, and, and again, this is not, I'm not, I'm not uh, singling anybody out, Monique. This is across the board. And I think what has happened is uh, you have so much information out here, and you have people and I think, again, I said it before, black people, we, and it's not just us, but I see white folks doing it as well, but, but, but we fall in love with people who, are, who have rhetorical flourishes. Oh, man, he dropping that knowledge. 
what is he saying? <laughs> oh, man, he's speaking that truth. But what is he saying? See, just because somebody sounds knowledgeable does not make what they're saying. I remember that early on, that was, that was a guy, he was, uh, it was a, a video that went around. They were like, man, listen to this doctor. Listen to this doctor. He went before the school board, and man, he was dropping that knowledge. First of all, the school that he went to wasn't even a real school. And what he studied wasn't even in the subject. But he sounded so authoritative. Uh, that, that, I guess we're living now in that world. Who's that black kid who kept getting arrested for impersonating people? Remember, he went to jail, uh, and, and he, he, was, he impersonated a doctor. That's what we got now. We got folk who literally, because of social media, are impersonating knowledgeable people. And it's just not going to happen. I was, I was just looking at, there was a, a guy who was a manager for a rapper, and um, I was just looking at it, and uh, he, he had a heart attack. And he was thanking Bun B and another guy for calling. They were taking a picture, and he was literally having a heart attack while they were taking the picture. And he said, man, the doctor saved my life. If I'm having a conversation about cardiovascular health, I'm not talking to a gardener. It's just not going to happen. Right. Right. Um, and you know what? It, um, I was smiling because I have had to remind myself of that recently because I was getting uh, frustrated with the messaging that was going out from a number of people who have significant, very significant platforms um, and of whom I, I hold in high esteem, but in my opinion, were putting out messaging that pushed us backward rather than forward and that was skewed to a particular point of view that had nothing to do really with what could actually be done. Uh, and I've seen that a number of times in, in legal cases where, you know, we come on here on your show and, and we often discuss things exactly as they are, you know, where, where if somebody is, is found guilty and we knew all along based on the way the trial was going, it made sense to us, but you could have someone else to come on and it, it'd be like storm the Bastille, you know, storm the Capitol. It's, a, it's about white folks. It's about black folks. It's about racism. It's about classism. It's about, and it wasn't about none of that. It was about that jury, that judge, those lawyers, the poor job they did, et cetera. And what I've had to remind myself is it's just, it's not just ignorance that is skewing things right now. It is agendas that are skewing things. And, and I'm not saying that that's new, right, but right. as you said, with social media being so prevalent, with, with people being able to talk to a million people yeah. You know, 140 yeah, characters at a time and say something that could be loud and dead ass wrong, it is mm -hmm. dangerous. And and so what I've had to, to see is that I can still have respect for the organizer in their job in their lane, the lawyer in their job in their lane, you in, in, as, as, as a journalist um, and, and thought leader in your lane. And understand, though, that I need experts in each of those fields. And, and the, the journalist isn't going to give me what the doctor will give me. 
and the lawyer is not going to give me what the activist will give me. I I need full counsel. I ain't going to start preaching, but I need full multitude of counsel and full counsel in order to have the facts straight. And I, I had a conversation um, I won't say her name because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not free to share that that conversation. But I respect greatly someone who is is a leader um, in the in the organism and activist lane who had said something that was kind of like directly opposite of something like it hurt my heart. It was so opposite of what we were trying to get done in Texas at the time. And she called me though, and she said, "Listen, this is my job." And I want to explain to you that from my perspective, this is not about that. I know it might be important to you for these reasons, but for what we are trying to do and what our objectives are, I cannot go along with it. I can't go along with it publicly and I can't go along with it privately. And I learned that lesson that day because on the one hand, she's saying something really good is happening. Maybe it's good long-term, maybe it isn't. But she told me directly, but I'm not going to say it's good. So people need to understand that. When they're listening to people, unless you're just listening to somebody who's calling balls and strikes, you need to filter for their motivation and agenda, whether it is a positive one or a negative one, when you listen to what they say. And there are people, and again, look, there are people who sometimes say stuff and it's quite emotional, uh, and they, they think it's one thing, but when they don't really understand the nuance, it's something else. I remember being uh, at, there was a rally um, at a church in Dallas after Botham Jean uh, was killed. And at that rally, uh, the district attorney, the then Dallas DA, Faith Johnson was there, Ben Crump was there, some of the other lawyers were there. Um, and folks were going off on the DA, charge the cop with murder. Ben was like, I wish the people in the crowd would chill with this. Because it ain't gonna happen. And he's, well, no, 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 it wasn't that, it wasn't that wasn't gonna happen. He said, what they don't understand is in Texas law, if she's charged with murder and when she's convicted, from the city's perspective, They'll cut her loose. We, 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 we cut her loose, and they don't have to pay any settlements. Yeah. He was, walk, he was walking through lawyers, and I mean, it was very, it's lawyers, and we've had this conversation on this show, where we've talked about folks like, well, why are they charging a first degree murder? And they were like, well, actually, they can actually get a longer sentence with a second degree murder charge and this other charge versus that. And it's understanding how you're trying to sit here. Because the goal is for them to be penalized for what they did. The point is, how do you get the conviction? And that, Scott, is where expertise comes in. And so that's why you ask experts who do this. And even when you're talking about law, there are some people uh, who have been paid contributors on networks as legal commentators who ain't never stepped foot in a courtroom. Exactly. They ain't so never tried exactly. a case. They ain't uh, never tried a case, and they just sitting here, I mean, just running off at the mouth, and they black and white, running off at the mouth, and, and, and I talk to other lawyers like, you know she ain't never tried a case. You, 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 know she, you know he ain't never been in a courtroom. And that's so, so, to my point to the audience, so even when we are deciding who comes on the show, I'm looking at their resume. Okay, what, 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 what have you done? 
Folk go, well, you got to have so-and-so on. No, no, but what, what have they done? No, no, I mean, they'd be great. No, 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 no. What have they done? And that's where we are, I think, right now. And it's taking such a hold. These people are, yeah, they, they, have, they have gone so far with it. And that's why what I've done is this here. If y'all don't want to take the vaccine, fine. Don't take the vaccine. But what's not going to happen, I'm not going to not counter your lies. And then what I'm not going to do is if feed into the... Because people say, I had somebody on YouTube say, well, why don't you have the person on to debate you and you might persuade those who follow them? No, y'all, that's the nope. game. Nope. They, see, the moment... I told y'all about the people against critical race theory. The moment you booked them on the show, that's what they wanted. That's the win for them. Scott, go ahead. No, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think the panelists are too. But the power of social media makes everybody believe that they're an expert when they just have an opinion, if you will. And it's very frustrating, especially when the opportunities for lawyers to get on TV, there, there's a lot of content and a lot of opportunity. And I don't think the media, as a general proposition, is reading their bios or resumes. No, they're not. No, 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 no. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell y'all how the game goes. I'm going to tell everybody right now how the game goes. Oh, wow. He's provocative. She's provocative. They sound great. They look great. They know how to speak in sound bites. Book them. I'm telling you, I, I have seen the game. I have seen it. I spent six years at CNN. I saw it with my own eyes. Who got elevated? Ooh, so-and-so. Uh, did they get the other side riled up? Yeah, book them again, book them again. No, no, what are they saying? That's it's always the case. And man, and then I've been in debates with folk on TV who are arguing the opposite position and we're going to the green room. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Was a whole lot of money in this thing. And you're sitting there going, oh, it's, a, I'm it's also the game. There are people out here, and that's why that list of the disinformation doesn't or whatever, they're talking about these people are selling books, selling yep. DVDs, tapes. They're making more money off uh, the Robert Kennedy, uh, uh, whatever group he is, Robert Kennedy Jr., their income has blown through the roof since COVID hit. It pays. On top of all that. There you go. Pays. And that's why Facebook, that's why Facebook's getting called out for promoting all the lies because they're giving them a foothold. Go ahead. And they're not highly regulated and Congress isn't regulating them. But but you're right. I mean, if you're provocative, you don't have to have depth and substance. And, and when you get to the legal profession or the medical profession, Depth and substance and training is super important and goes to your credibility. Apparently not when it comes to the media. And so, you know, the, the reality is, you know, social media changed everything, right? These opinions were always out there, but there wasn't a delivery system for it, an influential delivery system. And now you can reach millions of people and share your opinion with them and your followers. And so here again... This is the new reality that's got to be managed. It'll be interesting. You and I had a debate about a year ago about whether your social media should be regulated or not, or whether it was going to be free enterprise. I think social media has changed our democracy and changed how we think with these disinformation 
uh, influencers and what have you. And I do think it's dangerous. I've come around to this view because of Trump and the Republicans and what is the damage done to our democracy. You don't know what the truth is. You don't know what people are going to believe or not believe. And that's really dangerous when you got a First Amendment and a Constitution and a belief that somehow political violence is a possibility and a reality yep. in 2022 or 2024. And, Something's got to give. Something's got to change. And again, the people who used to be the cranks who would be in the barbershops talking to four or five yeah. people, they now yeah, can exactly. speak to 40, 50,000, uh, 500,000, a million. And then it just reverberates, yep. and, which is why you got to have a trusted news source. That's why, folks, we tell you why it's yep. important for you to watch this show, support this show, the things that we're doing, because it is about getting real information that is truthful. If you want to download the Black Star Network app, please do so on all available platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Roku TV, uh, Samsung, uh, Smart TV, uh, Xbox, Amazon Fire. You can also support us via our Bring the Funk fan club. Our goal is simple, to get 20,000 of our fans annually, uh, to give an average of 50 bucks each. That's $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. You can give less, you can give more. We appreciate every dollar given. Cash App is RM Unfiltered. PayPal is RMartin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Uh, gonna go back, to, uh, gonna do a couple of more stories. We come back on the flip side of this break. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Supremes ain't just about hurting black folk. Right. We gotta deal with it. It's injustice. It's wrong. I do feel like in this generation, we've got to do more around being intentional and resolving conflict. You and I haven't always agreed. Yeah. But we agree on the big piece. Yeah. Our conflict is not about destruction. Conflict's gonna happen. All right, folks, not I sure why our drops are not working today. Let's, this is the last story for our panel here. A Philadelphia man has been freed from prison after 37 years in a case tarnished by detectives who allegedly offered a witness sex and drugs at police headquarters in exchange for false testimony. The trial witness was charged with perjury days after Willie Stokes was convicted of murder in 1984. But Stokes was never told of that perjury plea until 2015 while serving a life sentence. A federal judge has called the violation of his constitutional rights egregious. Both detectives uh, uh, in question, they're now deceased. The question, what happens to Willie Stokes? Th th this is one of those things where 
um, I, I, you know, it's like, I, I, how do you compensate, compensate someone 37 years with well, the detectives did? This is uh, just unbelievable, Monique. Yeah, and there's no fix. There is no fix for it. There's no amount of money in the world that can compensate for a life. Um, whether someone is falsely imprisoned for a day or for 100 days or for 37 years, there really is no way to compensate someone for time during which they lost their liberty unjustly. So we have figured out calculations for those things. Certain cities have it where it's a certain amount of, of dollars per day that they use as a calculus when there is a false arrest and false imprisonment. But it it does not compensate properly. And that's, of course, the same thing when you're getting a wrongful death verdict. I don't care how many millions you give a mama. There is no way that that compensates for the loss of a child. So this is this is a tragedy and a travesty. Uh, the story here from NPR, uh, this is what it says, uh, Robert. One surviving prosecutor, now in private practice, did not immediately return messages seeking comment Tuesday. However, he has given a statement saying he doesn't remember either case. How convenient. Uh, uh, and just as Monique said, there really is no solution to this. And I think we have to start going to our state legislatures and, uh, and kind of pushing them to create a statutory solution for these sorts of things. Uh, when you think about it, there really should be a statutory right of action, because right now it really just comes down to what the family will accept. Let's start saying that, look, if we falsely imprison you for your entire life, then we will have uncapped damages that you can sue the state for. I bet you they get a whole lot more careful on these prosecutions when they start renaming streets after your son and daughter, they have to give City Hall over uh, to the family of the victim. Maybe that will give people the message of what we're talking about when we're discussing criminal justice reform. Not just dead people shot by cops, but it's a systemically broken system. From the bottom to the top, from the time you have your first encounter with police until appeal, there are flaws in the system all the way through. And until we start giving people their private right of action to go after the, the system itself, There'll be no way to actually get the reforms we need. We have seen court systems be recalcitrant to change. We've seen uh, legislatures be recalcitrant to, to change. The minute you start talking about uh, not arresting low-level offenders, you get the police unions and everybody else come marching and protesting, saying you're soft on crime. We have to change the laws which underpin these things to give people more rights so they can fight back against a system that is fighting against them. Scott, but this is what's so crazy. Go back to my iPad. This is the NPR story. The Homicide prosecutors that used Franklin Lee's testimony to convict Willie Stokes then prosecuted Franklin Lee for lying on Willie Stokes, and they never told Willie Stokes. Those are lawyers who should never, ever practice again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And prosecutors are held to a higher standard, and they didn't tell the defense lawyer for Willie Stokes and no one told him. And so 40 years ago, over the course of 37 years, he just languished in jail. Hold on, hold on, I got, hold on Scott. I got one better for you. Lee, mm -hmm. Lee was in jail on, on rape and robbery charges. He served 35 years and got out two years ago. <laughs> Unbelievable. He Unbelievable. got out. The dude who lied to, say, to get a lighter sentence has been free for two years, and the duty lied on was still in prison. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And nobody cares. 
Nobody cares. Now, having handled a couple of these cases, there is a statutory right to recover after 37 years for most of these, for a lot of these cases. Depending upon but the state law. Huh? Depending upon the state law. No, there, 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 there may be a statutory right, but the limitations, even if you give me the right, there are limitations different state by state in regard to what you can recover for being wrongfully convicted. Secondly, your listening audience needs to understand this, that the prosecutors and the judges involved in outright malfeasance, right, are protected by, um, by, the, um, uh, by immunity, if you will, whether it's statutory immunity, limited immunity, or full immunity, uh, and are barred from being prosecuted or even taking their depositions, let alone them being charged or sued civilly, whether it's under 1983 or whether it's on a state uh, statute. And so not only is he free, but now to recover monies, he's got to challenge a system that is embedded in protecting bad actors called the judges and the prosecutors. And it's hard to get around, because even if you successfully change the law, the government is going to appeal it. They'll say, this is a problem, and we're not proud yeah. of this conduct, but obviously we got to protect our taxpayer dollars. And so they will go to the Supreme Court to appeal it, state as well as otherwise, and they still... You'll be litigating for 10, 20, 30 years, and you still may not win, which is why most defendants yep. or who have been released, they settle for something, because they don't want to be tied up in litigation for years. Again, he's 61 years old, uh, and it's amazing how these they, folks... He, he ain't got 20 years of litigation. And it's amazing how these folks have no problem at all paying out uh, multi-million dollar police settlements uh, when cops beat folks, but then they don't want to pay somebody who served time in yeah. prison uh, who was wrongfully convicted because of mm -hmm. police and because of prosecutors. Uh, it's outrageous. Uh, it's our, outrageous. Absolutely. All right, folks, uh, to our panel, thank you so very much. Got a few more headlines to read before we go to our Richard Lawson interview. Uh, thanks a lot, Scott, Robert, and Monique. The oldest known World War II veteran, folks, died this morning. 112-year-old Lawrence Brooks was a member of the Army's Majority African-American 91st Engineer Battalion. He served in Australia, New Guinea, and the Philippines during his military career. Brooks was born in 1909 in Louisiana and raised in Mississippi. He survived by five children, 13 grandchildren, and 32 grandchildren. Basketball Hall of Famer Sam Jones passed away at the age of 88 last week. Jones won 10 NBA titles with the Boston Celtics in his 12-year career, second only to teammate Bill Russell. A Celtic spokesman says Jones died Thursday in Florida, where he had been hospitalized in failing health. He was a North Carolina native who played for Hall of Fame coach John McLandon at North Carolina Central. Celtics general manager Red Auerbach selected him eighth overall in the 1957 draft, despite never seeing him play. Sam Jones was 88 years old. R&B singer Jesse Lee Daniels has passed away at the age of 57. He rose to fame as a member of the Force MDs. They were an R&B vocal group formed in Staten Island, New York in 1981. The group had six studio albums together, and their last release was in 2000. The musician's management team confirmed the news, and the band paid tribute to him on Facebook. All right, folks, right here uh, on the Black Star Network, we, of course, uh, have, uh, we launched a new show called Rolling with Roland, which is a one-on-one -on -one interview uh, show with a variety of folks. 
Uh, and uh, we kicked this uh, thing off with Johnny Gill. Uh, we wanted to now uh, show you the second interview, actor Richard Lawson. You've seen him in numerous movies and TV shows, which you may not know. Richard Lawson almost died in a plane crash uh, taken off years ago from LaGuardia, where a number of people were killed. He t talks about what took place and how he was did not listen to his intuition not to get on that airplane. Also, in the interview, y'all, he, uh, he became a soap opera star. Uh, but guess what? He, he didn't want to be on soap operas. Earlier in his career, his agent suggested he do a soap opera. He fired the agent, saying, how dare you? Then went on to huge soap opera fame. Still, good-looking brother with all his hair. Sister still swooning over Richard Lawson. And he's 74 years old. Here's my one-on-one -on -one conversation with actor Richard Lawson. You know how some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone you just end up living with it? I don't think so. Verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one. You break it, we upgrade it. You dunk it, doggy bone it. <laughs> Slam it, wham it, strawberry jam it. We upgrade it. Get a 5G phone on us with select plans. Every customer, current, new, or business. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. Richard, what's happening, my man? Hey, buddy. It's good to see you. Indeed, that's indeed. That's a sharp suit, boy. I just bought a blue seer sucker, <laughs> and that's a pretty yellow you got on. You know, I got it in yellow, pink, white. You know, yeah. first of all, I go to Essence Festival uh, every year. Uh, right. This is all pre-COVID, so, right. you know, so I'll do seer sucker one year. Uh -huh. I do a whole other, other outfit. Yeah. Uh, and so, because uh, we, we, look, I'm from Houston, so when you're dealing with heat, okay. you got you to know how to be clean. Yeah. In the heat, you got to know how to be clean <laughs> and stay clean. Yes, man. absolutely, absolutely. You no, know, that's a that's a that's a whole trick. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know the thing about living in the South and all that humidity, people complain about. Don't nobody have any skin problems. Everybody sweated out. Everybody got pretty skin. That's right, cause your pores. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing left in them pores. Well, it, you know, it, it, it always cracks me up because uh, folks, I was like, oh my god, you know, L.A. got beautiful weather. I said, look, I said. I said, I like heat. I'm sorry. I said, I said, you, you got an old school family get together. Right. I said, I can't have it where it's 74, 75. I said, yeah, you got to have some heat, some you, sweat. You got to sweat. <laughs> you got to sweat. And my concept is that I'm going to adapt to wherever it is I am. Right. If it's in Alaska and it's cold, you got to adapt. Otherwise, you add effect to it. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be at effect of nothing. Indeed. I want to be at cause. So Absolutely. Let me just get in and be at one with whatever the condition is. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. Where are you from? I'm originally from Oakland. I grew up in Oaktown, all over Oakland, every project in Oakland. Now, see, I'm about to be real black. Where are your people from? My people are from Louisiana. See, there you go. See, now, see, <laughs> see right there. I always do that. Yeah. So for everybody who's watching, you need to understand, black folks, if they're if they from Oakland, L.A., Detroit. Chicago, Detroit, you always got to say, no, 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 where your people from? Yeah, yeah. Because what a lot of folks don't, and the reason a lot of people don't realize is that was the great Creole migration. Right. That was from Louisiana. Right. Are you Creole? Uh, my, my grandparents, uh, okay. Opelousas, Louisiana. Okay. So what happened was you get the great migration. They left Opelousas. Right. Like a lot of black folks in Louisiana. Right. They migrated 
That's why it's a whole. So you go Bay, Beaumont, Baytown, Barrett Station. I got yeah. all relatives live Crosby. Uh -huh. Huge in Houston. Huge in Galveston. It, it ain't nothing between Houston and California. <laughs> That's right. They, they literally said either we're going to stop in Houston, right. we're going to make our way to California. Right. There right. ain't no Creole people between Houston None. and Oakland, uh, Oakland and uh, None. L.A. No. <laughs> there, are, there are Indian blacks and Indians together. There's some black and Indian people there. But Creole people nah. kind of stop at Houston. They said, look, we either going to stay here are we going to make it all the way to California? That's right. That's so, right. Uh, so, so, so your folks are from there. Where in Louisiana? Lafayette, and right outside of Lafayette. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, outside Ridge, Doucan. And so all of my people, my great-grandfather bought himself out of slavery. Really? And then bought his brothers and sisters out of slavery. And, and they settled in Doucan. Louisiana and became large landowners. They bought property and became farmers and really took the whole level of, uh, of sharecropping to a whole nother level mm. where, you know, the concept of one man taking a thousand pounds of cotton to the gin, he's gonna get X. But if you can put together a consortium of a hundred people who take a thousand pounds of cotton to the gin, they're gonna get X to the 10th power. And so he galvanized people and created societies and built schools and all kind of things. What was his yeah. name? His name was Alcide Will Turner. And then my grandmother married a Broussard. And so... I got a whole bunch of Broussards in my family, too. We got Broussard, well, you know... Broussard, Mouton, Malvo, Robichaud, all them, all them bows. <laughs> all, all them bows, all them bows, all them bows. All them E-A-U-X's. Yeah, Trey Hands, you yeah, know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> see, my, see, my, my, my folks are Lamond. Okay. So, L-E-M-O-N-D. Okay. Uh, and then, now, some changed their name to Lemon. To so Lemon. My uncle, who was Earl Lemon. Right. But his brother was, who was my grandfather, yeah. Clarence Lamond. Right. And so they just dropped the D. Right. So I was like, right. okay. Yeah, there was a lot of that going on, you yeah. know. Uh, uh, one of the one of the plays that started me in the business was No Place to Be Somebody, and it was um, uh, Charles Gordon. Mm -hmm. Well, Gordon or Gordon, right? You know, we gonna change some shit. You know, well, or they but, gonna change it. Or, or they gonna. They don't want to pronounce our name. That's that's true. That's true. That's true. There's a lot of that. You know, Houston or Houston. Right. You know, rodeo or rodeo. <laughs> <laughs>
we have a, a family reunion every other year. And um, there's so many people. I mean, like, for instance, my grandfather, my, my great-grandfather had 24 kids. And so between his brothers and sisters and all of the kids, we have a family reunion. It'd be like maybe five to 700 people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we make it a point to stay connected and to celebrate and to understand, you know, what our people brought to the family right. and stuff. And so there is a real consciousness to stay connected and to understand your history. See, it's interesting because whenever I, um, as long as I would come to L.A., I would, um, folks always want to say, let's get together for lunch, breakfast. I said, look, I can't eat with everybody. Right. I said, or I'll be 500 pounds. So I said, let's do this here. So what we would, I said, we're going to do what I call, what my growing up, we had, we just call them get-togethers. Right. Where literally it was, you just call a few people, and the next thing you know, it's a party. Right. And I did it one year, um, and then it was, I had like a dinner at the Beverly Hilton, about 30 people showed up. And then the next year we did it, so I was like, I want to host it in my house. And so we, it just grew and grew. Mm -hmm. And folks were like, well, man, when you coming back? I said, y'all from here, y'all live here. Right. Why y'all can't call each other? Yeah. Oh man, when you to connect, I said. No. I said no. I said, why do you need a reason? Right. To get together, and that's really born out of coming out of a huge family yeah. where it was just pop up get-togethers, and next thing you know, like I say, it'd be a weekday school night, and there's 30, 40, 50 people at the house, and we right. cooking and playing music and just and just having a good time. Right. Well, you know, usually there's some. Hopefully, there's somebody in the family that has that consciousness of fellowshipping people in the family. You know, like in Louisiana, you know, it's, it's, it's a very friendly kind of environment, and food is a very important part That's of right. that in terms of getting together. My grandmother would cook, and she'd cook this big meal, and she would sit there and watch you eat it. Really? Because she enjoyed... Right. I mean, that was... Your part, reaction. Your reaction, yeah. because food is a language. Yep. You know, in the way that it's prepared and with the love that's prepared and the, and the satisfaction that people get from, from, from eating it, you know what I mean? It's like, and, then, and then people bringing whatever their specialties are. It's a language and it's a way to bond people. Mm -hmm. I love cultures that, that make food and fellowship a very important right. part of the exchange. Well, that's why the phrase, some people... Uh, Eat to live, some live to eat. Right. Uh, when I interviewed uh, Leah Chase, uh, and she said, "Okay, I'm gonna fix you something." I said, "Well, no." I said, I, "You know, I'm on a diet." She said, "Oh." She said, "Oh no, uh-uh." She said, "Well, you got." She said, "We believe in the broad shoulders." She, she said, "In the <laughs> belly, over the belt." She said, "No." She oh, she had me cracking up laughing. Yeah. But 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 you're right. That that is the. I mean, it, it, it's, it's 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 amazing to me when when I come here again. Folks, uh, I'll never forget, uh, we had a party in Lionel Richie. He was like, man, this is great. He said, he said, I've been knowing Verdine White for 35 years, and this is the longest conversation that we had because normally we pass each other backstage or whatever. Right, right. And it was just folks just hanging. There was no agendas. Right. I said, ain't no dress code. Yeah. There are no rules. Yeah. I said, if you can make it, great. Right. If you can't, that's fine. Yeah. But it's just, it's just getting together and what you said it, fellowshipping. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's so interesting because uh, we have a friend in New York, um, Lorraine Schwartz, who is a jeweler. She's a jeweler to everybody. But 
um, and she's Jewish, and on Friday night, they have Shabbat. And so we went to Shabbat one night, and, you know, there was probably about 15 people there, but it was so much fun because they can't go out, so they bring people in. There you go. And I said, you know, what I love about that is that it brings people that you love together. So uh, Tina and I are talking about doing Shablak. (laughs) 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 Doing doing Shablak on Sunday. Uh Doing a Sunday thing, and we invite our family over, because, you know, when you consider all of the people that are family and extended family, we have a good number of people but but that's what Sunday dinner was. That's what Sunday it was, dinner was. I mean, it, and again, and everybody knew it, it was supper where everybody way. was. Yeah. And so no matter what you were doing, right. you knew, yo, so and so house. Yeah. They having dinner. You could stop by. Right. But it was supper. Right. Because in the evening in the South, you know, dinner is earlier. Supper is the is the is the evening meal. See, we had we had all day. So we, we, so you, my grandmother had a catering business, and so oh. we, we would go to the Catholic church uh, where I grew up in was founded in my grandparents' living room. Oh, wow. So, and so we would go to the 10 o'clock service. Wow. We live eight blocks away. Yeah. Everybody knew you met at Mother and Papa's house after right. church. Right. So by 1 p.m., yeah. yo, is cooking going on? Right. And we there until 11. Right. Okay. So it, it was, it, so it, the funniest part, Richard, is don't lie. I can't cook for two people. Mm. You can't. So you cook Bro, for Bro, every group. Sunday, it was 60, 80 people. God. My, my, my grandparents Damn. had eight kids. In one house? And this was not this, was not this house. Right. Bro, they had eight kids who had 42 grandkids. Woo! Bro, that, so, the nine, so you talk about eight kids, spouses, 16. Right. 42 grandkids. Damn. Bro. Grandparent. That's every man. We would we would do softball game. We would, that's every Sunday. That how I don't know how we fit in that house. This is in Louisiana. No, that's in Houston. Oh, in Houston, right? I saw how my grandfather could could feed all them people uh, with two chickens in, uh, in a gumbo. <laughs> he, Everybody he, had a piece of meat in that, that bowl. Shit. He stretched that shit out. Everybody had a piece of meat. You had a piece. You had a piece of meat and sausage and shrimp in that bowl. Right. And you may not have two or three. But you're gonna have something in that bowl. Right. But, but, the, but, but, the, but, but that was, let me tell you something. We had, I had some of the family members die. Seriously, my aunt just died. Two of my aunts just died. And I was reflecting on it. I never spent the night at a non family member's house growing really? up. Wasn't really? no room for friends. Wow. Let me think about it. I had, four, I had 40 plus cousins. But you know the beauty of that? And that's one of the things that is missing today was the fact that. Part of your education came from the generations Huge. in your family. Huge. You know, your like the grandparents. Huge. Important. Because that's where you learn stories of the past. That's where you learn stories of where you came from, your great-grandparents. And, and, and that's where your greatest values came yep. from, your grandparents, because parents are learning how to be parents. Yeah. Grandparents already, they didn't been there, done yeah. that. And so they have the patience See, we were, and we were, and here's the deal. There was no adults in this room and kids in that room. Right. No. Right. Same room. Same room. So part of the reason folks are like, man, when you, you, know, you debate on TV, I said, no, oh, no. If you had to get through the family debate, right. I said, that stuff I do on TV easy. 
<laughs> because right. those were debates. Because see, here was the deal. Right. We, if you were if you were young, if you want to jump your last in that conversation, right, they'll let you jump in. Right. But you would not treat like a child. Right. You had to hold your own. Right. Exactly. So if you decide to open your mouth, right. they were like, okay, you can bring your last in here. Right. But you might get sent out with your butt kicked. Right. So you better have your stuff. So growing up, seeing that and right. seeing the, the arguments in the back and the forth, right. that, that was practice. That was practice. <laughs> and, and that's where you learned to develop a point of view. Absolutely. Because you, you, had to, you had to have an opinion, and you had to hold your opinion. And you had to defend it. And you had to defend it. Because it was vicious. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw my grandfather, aunts, and uncles, and I was like, damn. And yeah. I'm sitting there going like, okay, he weak. He got a weak point. That ain't going to hold up. They might yeah. eat that one alive. They're going to eat it up. They eat that one alive. <laughs> yeah. But, but that, that, to me, a man, was a thing of family. You know how some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone, you just end up living with it? I don't think so. Verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one. You break it, we upgrade it. You dunk it, doggy bone it. <laughs> Slam it, wham it, strawberry jam it. We upgrade it. Get a 5G phone on us with select plans. Every customer, current, new, or business. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. that you and Tina do, this, this annual event. To me, I sort of see that the same way. Right. Having, where, where you're bringing people together and, and, and it's cultural expression. Right. Uh, and and, 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 it, and it, it goes back to, again, who we, are, who we are as a people. Who we are as a people, exactly. How did that start? Where did that come from? Well, you know, it's, idea. An, it's an interesting thing. You know, um, when I grew up, you know, my mother always had somebody in the house. Um, some, someone was always staying with us. And so early on, you know, um, I learned to give and I learned to share and I learned to be a caretaker. Um, my mother and father divorced when I was um, six years old. So I became a surrogate husband and a surrogate father taking care of my sister. So in terms of caring for people, that started early in my life. Tina grew up in a family where I think she had seven brothers and sisters, and she had, you know, there was a crew because her oldest sister had eight kids. Mm. And so they all grew up together, you know what I mean? So in terms of taking care of each other, in right. terms of extending a hand, it was, it was real in both of our lives. When I met her, um, um, Back in 1980, she was my sister's best friend. Mm -hmm. And she was pregnant with Beyonce. And, um, um, and she observed that I was always helping somebody. I was always helping somebody move. Uh, I ran an underground railroad. When I, when I got to California, I was managing two apartment buildings for Three Dog Night. You remember Three Dog mm -hmm. Night? I was managing two apartment buildings for them. I always reserved two rooms. Now, this is some illegal shit. But I always, <laughs> I always I reserved two rooms 
for my friends coming out here from New York, right. actors from New York, Chicago, Detroit, that didn't have a place to stay. Right. And so uh, this is a brand new building. And so I kept that for them so that they could have a place and I just never had the key. So when they came to examine the building, <clears throat> Damn, I can't find the key, and I didn't have the master key, so I could never open that door. <clears throat> so, but I told them, get the hell out of there while I take care of this business. <laughs> so we, all, both of us, naturally helped others. So I knew her all those years. We were friends. We've been friends for like 40 years. And, um, and, and she, I would observe her. She was the sweetest person in the world. She was always giving, always helping. She was a mother to hundreds of people. She was doing everything for others. And she would see me do the same thing. So we developed, the, we both were, were, were great caretakers of other people. And together, we worked hard to, 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 to do that. And we recognized that in each other. So one day, we were talking. And she was going to create a center in Houston. Mm -hmm. I was going, I had my own business and my own school. And so it was sort of a natural thing that we fell into. Why don't we create a theater? And why don't we start a nonprofit where we mentor kids? And so that's what we do. So we mentor about 100 kids. We have a fully functioning theater that is like a community theater and we do plays and dance recitals and our kids come and they learn to art. They learn now how to become filmmakers. They're making films. We have a film, the film festival coming up just uh, for kids who are making films about the trials and tribulations of young people mm. so that we can create a channel where other young people will be able to come and see that way well, you're not alone because other people deal with bullying, self, you know, self-image, uh, depression, COVID, parents, you know, school, et cetera, all the issues, you know, uh, pregnancy, all that kind of stuff, uh, making wonderful films. And so Tina and I have a natural proclivity to care for other people and help, you know. And at this stage in our life, it's perfect because I'm 74 and she's 67. We don't have no problems talking about our age because we try to take care of ourselves, mm -hmm. and, you know. Um, and, um, and so the, whole, the real whole point is, is you can't keep it unless you give it away. Right. And that's what we do. And we do great joy. We have great joy in doing that. The, the gala is a huge event. You came, right? Mm, I've been. You've never been to the mm -hmm. gala? I've been. Oh, man. People are calling it the Met of the West. Mm hmm because it's a, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, uh, it's a wearable art gala. But see, I'm glad they're not calling it the Black Met. No. See, no, 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 no. it's like, you know, Josh Gibson, that's the Black Babe Ruth. No, no that's no. Josh Gibson. That's Josh, Josh Gibson. Right. That other people are calling it that. Right. They can call what they ever want to call it. Right. Our point is to bring people together, um, you know, and one of the things that helped to influence and sort of set the tone was we took 10 kids to Africa two years ago. And it was sort of like, you know, the year of the return. Mm -hmm. So it was commemorating 400 years mm -hmm. of slavery off of the Ghanaian western coast of Africa. We took 10 kids over there, and it was really the experience of their lives. And it was a, it was a grounding force for me because when I was standing 
in the dungeons, those slave dungeons, and I had just done um, uh, 23 and Me, and I'm 20% I'm Ghanaian and 30% Nigerian. So 50% of me is African heritage. Mm -hmm. So standing in those dungeons, I, uh, the reality of the fact that I'm standing on my own DNA. That's right. Some of my people came through mm -hmm. this spot. And, and, and when I looked at my great-grandfather and I looked at my mother and I looked at all the people in my family and I looked at the resilience they had, it really connected we, me with my African heritage in terms of here I stand today, standing on those shoulders. So what my, one of my desires is, and one of the things that we do, is the evolution of African culture through in the Western society. We start there, and we're also going to look at how African culture traveled east through Japan and China. But one of the things in terms of helping African Americans understand and appreciate where we came from, what we are connected to, the strength of our history, the strength of our present, and looking at these young people today and what's going on politically, that, you know, um, uh, it's so funny. I just heard this song the other day that I'm looking to put in, in you know, and I, I don't remember it word for word. It was like, look at them flames lighting up the sky. Something, something, something is flying up so high. It looks to me like them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Them niggas ain't playing. Looking at the fact that we ain't playing. It's serious today. And we ain't going back to where we came from. We can only go forward. And we can only go forward if we understand as a people where we came from and the beauty of our past. And so I'm trying to connect that beauty through what we share with our kids and also what we create in art. I'm in the process of, um, of directing a play on film that's never been done like this before, where there's a play called Black Terror that Richard Wesley wrote, and this is the 50-year anniversary. And it is a, about the revolution, and uh, it was done at the Public Theater uh, in New York. Joe Papp produced it. Um, it had a great run then, and it's just time for us to kind of take a look at the concept of what it takes in order to make things change. And so um, we're doing this as a co-production deal with uh, Newark Symphony Theater. So between the two of us, I'm directing it and conceiving it. Um, in November, I'll send you a, a link to, to check it out. Where did acting start? Where did, the, where, how, where did that come from? Was it a family member? Did you meet somebody? Or were you always just showing out in front of the family and decided to get paid for it? <laughs> None of that. None of that. It was so weird. Um, my mother worked 16 hours a day for 16 years as a nurse, a bedpan person. And she just wanted me to find something that I love and, and do that. And so, um, you know, I, I went to school, I played football, I dropped out to go into business. I was gonna go into business right quick, a furniture moving business with my cousin. We did, 
we were humming, man. Government found out that I had dropped out of school, went in the Army, got drafted, went in the Army, went to Vietnam, um, spent my year in Vietnam, and during the Tet Offensive, I was a combat medic. I saw things that was really, I'm so grateful for because it really has helped me to appreciate life on a whole nother level. Um, I got out of school three months early. I went to a junior college because that's the only place I can get in real quickly. And I said, you know what, man, I'm going to be a lawyer. And so I said, but this is junior college. I'm going to go join the debate team because lawyers debate. I was, in the de <laughs> I, was in, I was in that department, and this woman came into the room where I was sitting and said, whose voice is that? Uh, who, who are you looking for? That's the voice. What you doing at 3.30 today? I said, uh, uh, she said, good. Come to room 708. I went to room 708. She was doing Reader's Theater at Antigone. So all she heard is your voice. She just heard my voice. She walked down the hall into this room because she heard my voice. And she pulled me into... Y'all were debating or you were just talking? We're just talking. I'm talking to the people in the debate department. She ain't even... The, she's not in the debate department. She was, in the, she was in the English department, and she was trying to find somebody to do the, a, a, a stage reading of Antigone. And she hears this voice she and hears, says... Yeah. I, I want that voice. I want that voice. And so I did it, you know. And, uh, and when I did it, we did a reading for a, a bunch of people in the auditorium, and people responded. It was like, yo, okay, all right. Then she corralled me into... Um, forensics, which is competitional speech, and then I became the state champion, undefeated, and then the drama coach... He ain't bragging. <laughs> he ain't bragging. <laughs> no, no, no. He ain't he's undefeated. Just let y'all know. Look, the facts are the facts. <laughs> <laughs> you know how some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone, you just end up living with it? I don't think so. Verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one. You break it, we upgrade it. You dunk it, doggy bone it. <laughs> Slam it, wham it, strawberry jam it. We upgrade it. Get a 5G phone on us with select plans. Every customer, current, new, or business. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. the drama teacher came and said, um, would you be interested in doing this musical called Golden Boy? Um, and uh, you have to sing, dance, and act. And I said, okay. And I started studying, singing, dancing. I studied with Barbara Streisand's coach and never sang before any of that. And so I was doing this musical called um, Golden Boy. Sammy Davis did it on Broadway. Ben Vereen understudied him and did it in London. Um, and so I'm doing this musical, and I'm in the middle of the last song called I Ain't Bowing Down. And all of a sudden, I just had this epiphany that this is what I was put on this earth to do. It was 
clear and direct. It was like a voice that said, this is what you're here for. Wow. And in that moment, I'm, I'm, I'm have a revelry in this moment. Like you're in the middle of a song. I'm in the, I'm standing center stage singing a song. And, and it's like. It hit me just like that. And I'm like lost in this moment. And then somebody comes and says, Richard, I ain't bowing down. I ain't bowing down. And I went and started singing that song like I'm a whole nother reality. And it was, a, I understood that that was my purpose. And from that moment to this moment, I have been on vacation because I have been doing the thing that I love and the thing that I'm on this planet to do. And this gives me a platform to do everything else. What do you say to the people who hear that and they say, a voice just hit you like that? You clip, you never, it never hit you before. It never, but what do you say to the people who say, uh, I don't know if that thing speaks that if, if God speaks to you in that way. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is that I, I was in a plane crash in I was 1992. Gonna, I, I was going to get to that. So what I'm going to talk about is God speaking to you uh, in a way that I, I'm underwater, trapped in my seat, mm -hmm. plane. So the first thing that hits me... This is in New York City, LaGuardia? LaGuardia Airport, March 22nd, 1992. I'm flying to Cleveland, and we didn't get off the runway, ice on the wings, and the plane crashed. And I knew the plane was going to crash, but I'll wait until we get into that. But what I'm talking about in this is that I'm trapped underwater in my seat. So the first thing that hits me is all the K shit. That's a radio station that's in your head that plays all the negative stuff that comes up, all the skeletons and all the things that you have dealt with, all of the secrets and all of that stuff that comes to you when you are in those moments of panic, fear, whatever, the negativity. And then there's another voice that comes in, and I call that K-Art, another radio station that comes in. And on that station is, are the voices of the positive people, of the things that said, you could do this, get your ass up, don't give up, come on, you got this. That kicks in and, uh, and basically guides you through. But you have to be present. Mm. And you have to be open. Mm. And you have to be willing to listen. Now that voice has hit me many, many times on a number of occasions. Um, this is an odd side story, but so true. So um, uh, I, I have, you know, the ability to uh, perceive to discern and, mm -hmm. um, and a bit of a clairvoyant to a certain extent. Those, that, those, that, those are spiritual gifts. Those are spiritual gifts. And I don't always listen. Um, but when I do, you know, it's powerful. Um, I was looking at um, 
uh, I love horses. Um, the very first thing I ever wanted to be was a jockey. And then as I got big, I realized, well, boy, you ain't going to be no jockey. You're too big. You're too heavy to ride a horse. But, um, but I like horse races. And so um, there's a, a ruffian was a ruffian was a, uh, a filly, undefeated filly. And uh, she was going to do a, a match race. It's the last match race that I heard of against, against the, um, the uh, Kentucky Derby winner. And I ran home to see this race, turned on the TV. All of a sudden, I, I just had this epiphany that, wow, this, this horse is going to break down. This race can't happen. This can't happen. I got this cold chill. I start moving around the house. What do I do? What do I do? I pick up the phone. I call Belmont Park. I said, I got to talk to somebody. I know this sounds crazy, but roughing is going to break down. You can't run this race. Silence. Um, hold on. Went on hold. Long time. Then I realized, they think I'm crazy. They're going to trace this call. I hung up the phone. I sat there. I had a cold chill. I can almost feel it now, cold chill, shaking. The race starts. You go around the first turn. They're in the middle of the backstretch. Ruffian breaks down. They have to euthanize the horse on mm -hmm. the track. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you tell somebody that? Right. How do you tell somebody that where they think, oh, this boy's a little touched, <laughs> a little crazy. But that kind of thing comes to me, and it's come yes. to me many, many times. And it came to me that day about my own career. And it came to me about the plane crash, because I knew that plane was going to crash. Before it happened. Before it happened. For the whole process, when I was about to get on the plane, I had that. It hit you. It hit me clear, clear, clear. And it, I it fought. hit you clear before you and, and 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 what you didn't do was you didn't listen to it. I didn't listen to it. You were saying I got to get to Cleveland. I got this thing I got to do, and it was telling you, Richard, do not get on this plane. Get off the plane. Get off the plane. And the other voice comes and says, Oh, shut your ass down. What's wrong with you? What you gonna tell what you gonna tell David Stern who because I was working I was running the drug program for the National Basketball Association. Mm -hmm. So I was on my way to Cleveland to meet with the Cavaliers. I meet meet with the Cavaliers. It was so funny. I went to this event the other night, uh, you know the pumps, Dana Pump? Mm-hmm. They had this, they have a thing where they raise money, right? Right. And Isaiah Thomas was, um, was there, and, and we have a very fond relationship because he knows the work that I did. And he said, man, I tell people all the time, the drug program today is because of you. You did that. You ran that program, and then that's why it's still successful today. So I was on my way to Cleveland. And um, so I'm battling. What you going to tell people? You can't tell people that you are afraid to fly. Right. David Stern is going right. to say, well, maybe you should find another line of work. Right, right. You know, so I battle, battle, get off this plane. Right up to the very end where we're getting ready to take off, the lights came on and that snow was blowing sideways. And it was like, stand up. Just stand up. 
They have to stop the plane and turn around if you just stand up. And I froze, and the plane started going down the runway. And I'm saying, man, it's going too slow. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And the plane took off, and it just rolled immediately to the side. I said, see? And then I saw this big flash out orange on the buildings over there. It had struck something, and then it went to flames, and then it tumbled and wound up in the bay, in Flushing Bay. So, and then there was a whole reality of where, what was going on in my head when I was underneath and, and accepting death because I couldn't move. I was in the first row. Uh, here's another thing, is that I first sat, and so ironic because just on my phone, I could show you a text from the girl who just, I switched seats with me because I was in seat 6A. The brother recognized me. Uh, 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 the ticket agent recognized me and said, man, you want to move up to first class? I said, yeah, because they didn't pay for first class unless you flew over three hours, right? right? So I said, yeah. He came, he came back and said, nah, you know, it's full. And I said, nah, it's cool. Just before the plane closed the door, he came and said, wave me up to 1F. These two girls sitting in five said, hey, can we take your seat? Because he blocked out 6B mm -hmm. just so I wouldn't have to sit next right. to this crying baby. Right. And so they took 5 and 6A and 6B. Um, uh, the one girl who sat in 6A first said, I'm uncomfortable. Can I switch seats? They switched seats. The friend that sat in 6A died. And the woman in 6B lived. She had burns, and she lived. But, the, but this girl here got the brunt of those flames because what I saw out the window was that wing hit a weather tower, and then that, the jet fuel exploded. So, um, but I knew. I knew. Now, what does it do for me today? It is in terms of listen. Mm -hmm. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, genius is following your first impression with good-humored inflexibility, even when the whole cry of voices is on the other side. Because that's what affects us, is the other side. Right, right. People's opinion. What are they going to say? What, what, are, they what are they going to think? What do they say about me? You know how some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone you just end up living with it? I don't think so. Verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one. You break it, we upgrade it. You dunk it, doggy bone it. <laughs> Slam it, wham it, strawberry jam it. We upgrade it. Get a 5G phone on us with select plans. Every customer, current, new, or business. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think.
I was in Atlanta and I was working with this group and they were trying to uh, create this shell company, use this, use this shell company to go public and all kinds of stuff. So we're, we're sitting in this brother's apartment of Four Seasons and there's three of us. So it's the guy who they're trying to, who's a lawyer they're trying to do this deal with. We're sitting there, Richard, and all the, literally it was like a chair like this here. And all of a sudden, pain from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet hits me. Mm. I can't move. I'm like, so you, you and me, same thing. You, God, what's going on? I'm about to die, what's going on? And this, this is exactly what I hear. I need you to leave. And I'm, same thing. And I'm like, why do I need to leave? I need you to leave. Mm. So I, I, I'm talking about I could barely, I mean, I'm literally, it, it was like, Two people who had to pull me up. That's how I'm getting, I get up, guys, I gotta go. I, it's, it's like a death march to the door. I'm yeah. like one foot. Yeah. I'm going down the hallway, get to the, get to the elevator, go downstairs. This following me the whole time. Ballet, get in the car, pain, just, just constant, just like, I'm talking about my entire body. The entire, I'm literally driving, like, what the hell's going on? Like, what? I'm praying, because I'm, I'm thinking, am I having a stroke? Am I having a heart attack? What's going on? Right. It drive to my hotel, go into my hotel room, voices, open your Bible. Now, mind you, I'm born and raised Catholic. You ain't raised to know no scripture when you Catholic. No. They, we got the missalette, we got the readings for you. Yeah. You ain't, so it's not like. And when we came up, it was in a language we couldn't even understand. Right, so it's like, you just, you, I literally opened the Bible. Mm. Not even, I'm not thumbing, mm. I just open it. It's not, there's, it's not on a page, mm. it just, and it goes right to Psalm 1-1. One, Psalm one, one. Mm. The godly do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Wow. And then the voice says, that's why I needed you to leave. Wow. He says, I could not have you in the presence of those two individuals mm. for what it is they are trying to do. Yeah. Goes, leaves. I'm like, leaves. Next day. Right. I'm talking about we good. We like me, we feel, we had, we had lunch. Uh -huh. We had lunch, uh -huh. four of us. And a woman at lunch brings up the name of one of the two in the room. Came right back. Wow. Like, I'm talking about, it immediately hit me. Wow. Then the voice says, I need you to go tell him the following. And I was supposed to go to New Orleans that weekend for a mentoring program. And the voice says, this pain will remain with you until you go talk to him. Mm. Man, I call, say, man, where are you? Mm. I need to come to see you. What, what time can we meet? Mm. But that's, but again, that's, that's, that's that. So you can either listen yeah. or you can ignore it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's all energy. Um, 
Einstein says that everything is energy. Um, if you vibrate on the same wavelength, wavelength as the thing you want, nothing, it, only that can happen. It's not, it's not philosophy, it's physics. It's like love. You meet somebody and, and you're vibrating on the same wavelength, mm -hmm. you fall in love. Now, love, of course, is in relationship to uh, context. You know, you, you meet somebody and there's a genuine, genuine thing. Right. Versus when you meet somebody and it's a discordant energy and the wavelength is not in harmony, it's a discord. And, and the ability to be able to feel the chord versus a discord mm -hmm. is where we have to be able to be sensitive to know there's something not right. Oh, there, I, I, was, I was talking to this one sister we were talking about. Uh, I said this to her, and she thought I was crazy. I said, oh, she's, uh, we're talking about folks in a lot of the entertainment. I said, oh, there are a lot. I said, there are people who I met who in the entertainment business said, who well, I don't want their cell phone number. She went, but, but, but you're a journalist. I mean, would, I said, no. I said, there are people who I come across who I meet professionally, mm -hmm. and it might be on a red carpet or whatever, I said, but I don't want to stay in contact with them. Right, right. I said there are others, because uh, we, we, we did this when Jada Pinkett Smith executive produced the Angela Davis documentary. We're in New York, they're in the red carpet, and I'm waiting to interview her, and Will comes over. He said, before you interview me, he said, let me tell you about this guy. He'll just text you, man, how you doing? Your birthday, your father's day, whatever. And he said, just, and he doesn't want anything. I said, I said, I, and I was telling this, I said, that's the difference. There are some uh, people you meet and you say, I can develop a relationship with them. Right. The others, no, I, I met you here, work, right. I see you, how you doing, right. but that's it. Yeah. And, that's to, and that's the case for a lot of folk don't want anything to do with them. Right, right. Because you don't want them in your space. No, you don't. You know, it's like, you, you know, babies, you got to pay attention to babies. You know, baby can baby sees your aura, mm -hmm. and if the energy is right, it, it responds. They smile, they accept you. You can hold them. They come to you. They want to be in your space. They start animals, yelling and screaming. Animals, animals come around you. They, you know, but if animals don't like you, and babies, you can't hold them because they don't want no parts of you. You better pay attention. You know, because that... Why am I laughing? Because my, <laughs> my oldest niece, I have 13 nieces and nephews. Why every time my ex would hold my niece, that girl would yell, holler, and scream? And when it, was, when it happened, I was like, that baby's saying something. <laughs> 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 but, it, but, it's, but it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. You know, if we can get past whatever filters that we live in, you know, and just be open to receive and just to, you know, vibe. Um, we know when there's trouble. You know, somebody say, man, how can you fly? I'm the greatest flyer in the world because what I know today is 
that I have the ability to be able to perceive and to feel if something is not right. So that voice says, Richard, but you're giving that plane. Yeah. You gonna say, what a bus station? <laughs> Where the bus station? I was on a I was on a plane. I'm not gonna mention the carrier, but got on this plane, man, these people were just wrong. The way they treated people, the way they greeted people, they was just wrong, you know. And I kept saying, you know, you guys could be nicer to people. You know, this is not very nice vibe you guys create here. It's like Y'all are entitled or something, or like, you know, you just, you just not treat people. You shouldn't treat people like this. And then she got real hanky with me. And I said, you know, ma'am, listen, I was in a plane crash, so I understand, you know, the dangers that we're in. And I'm, I spoke up enough so that people, oh, that's right. That's the guy from the, from the plane. And I said, you know what? I don't have a good vibe about this plane. I'm getting off. People start reaching. <laughs> we following him. <laughs> we going with him. <laughs> it was like, you let a mutiny off the plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll mutiny, right? But then I felt bad about that. I said, now you see, I'm using it in the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> they all heard, like, uh, yeah, um, grab that bag. We, we following Richard. Yeah, we following Richard. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. the, so, Itcher, you you talking about uh, how how people how people respond? Talk about how how it was being this absolute heartthrob. Because Doc, growing growing up, I swear black people need soaps. <laughs> man, they say your name, and man, these sisters would lose their their ever loving minds. <laughs> Come on, now you know. Come on, now you you know that was it was like they like, ooh, Lord, that Richard Lawson. <laughs> you know. Hey, listen. You know the one thing that was really amazing to me because I never, I never wanted to do a soap. That my agent, one of my first agents, came to me with a, you know, saying, um, well, I want you to go and audition for this. I don't even remember what soap it was. But by the fact that she suggested that I do a soap was so, I'll tell you how bad it was for me. I left her. Wow. If you don't have any higher sense of gradient for my career and what I want, especially after I done sat down with you and I gave you the picture of what I see for myself which is what I teach people today. You know, in order for you to, in order for you to get what you want, you gotta be able to see it. Visualize it. You gotta be able to visualize right. it, and then you gotta be able to see what actions you need to take in order to make that happen. This is, it's like any business, you know, like you, I love the concept of fat burgers. So there was this woman who started fat burgers right there on Western and Adams. Little old shack lying around the corner. Daughter went to UCLA Business School, realized that they can sell this other places, franchise it. So they moved, they franchised it. Went to San Vicente and Burton Way, and then they, this third one didn't work. But then Westwood, and that, it's all over the world. So it's a concept, it's a vision, it's a business plan. An actor has to have a, vision, a business plan. So you have to be able to see what it is you want and not just hope you can get in line and somebody right. will invite you to their party. Your career is what you create. 
not what somebody offers you. So you're sitting here thinking, movies. Yes. Ma major television yes. shows and productions. Yes. Broadway. Yes. And in that hierarchy, soaps were at the bottom. And yes. So you think that's, that's, that's bottom feeding. Right. And now remember, now this is the, when, when she suggested to me, you know, I've been in, I started in 1969. So those early years, there were no oasises out there mm -hmm. for actors who happened to be black. Yeah, there were, there were no Hulu, there were no Netflix, no. there's no streaming services, ain't no black production companies, no. significant numbers. No. There's none of that. No, no. Melvin Van People started that whole thing. Right. This, this is one year removed from the Colonel Commission report on the race riots. Yeah, exactly. So therefore, so therefore, but what I saw for myself didn't exist. But my representative need to see what I saw for right. myself and go for that and not go for the low-hanging fruit. Which was the soaps. Which was the soaps. So she in said, LA, go try and you, and you fired her. It, particularly in L.A. In New York, they understand. Right. You could do a Broadway show and do, at night and do soaps in the daytime. Right. They understand that. L.A., don't have, they don't understand that, So right? you said, boo, this is beneath me. Absolutely. And what happened? I went and got me another agent. And then I started doing my career, and then, you know, stuff happened, man. I, I started working, and I started my own film, and, and, and things started to happen. And then, um, and then in 1991, we had an actor strike. So the whole year, nobody was working. Mm -hmm. So it was like, then they, all my children came to me. You know, they wanted to offer me the part. And I'm saying, you know what? Maybe I could go do all my children for like two years, um, get on there, become the hot, you know, me and Erica Kane, the star mm -hmm. of the thing, get in a relationship with her. Then I leave the show and I can take that large audience right. back to nighttime and, and film. Right. Right? Well, didn't happen that way. But what did happen was, after the first day shooting in New York, I'm on the street. People walking down the street. Hey, my man from all my children. What's going on? Yeah, you know, I mean, instant. Right. And it was like, damn, soaps, man. Because what I didn't realize is that soaps is basically an institution. Yes. Grandmothers and people sat home. Athletes. You know that Charles Barkley was 10 minutes late for a game because of watching all that <laughs> No, but it, it, I mean, man, look, black, black folks were serious about, they, about them soaps. They were serious about them stories. They right. called them the stories. They were called, we call them stories. They officially <laughs> called them soaps. They did. But black folks, and then you, that some, look, that, you had to like, run down to your grandmother or, hey, this is what happened today. My, my mama watched them. Right. And we, and we watched them. I grew up watching, and we were, we were ABC household. Yeah. The number one station in Houston was KTRK. Right. So it was Ryan's Hope. Right. Uh, all My Children. Right. One Life to Live. Yeah. General Hospital. General Hospital. We didn't watch. Now, the other black people, they were all about guiding light, young and the restless. Right. We were ABC household. ABC household. And that shit gets inherited. Yes. It's passed on from daughter to mo mother. Man, we had my grandparents. Soap Opera Digest. You had Reader's Digest. Yeah. You had Soap. My mama, my mama subscribed to Soap Opera's Digest. 
See, that's it's huge. It's huge. So, Debbie, but all Debbie Morgan was Angie on All My Children, and still today, the amount of mail that she gets to this day, to this day. So, did you go apologize to the agent you fired? I did not. <laughs> cause, cause. Cause I did, I, I should have. But at that time, you were hot. At that time, where my vision was and what I saw right. for myself, I got it. You know, my trajectory was here, and she was shooting for down here. You know, and it was like, I mean, it was just. But you later saw. I later saw the the the. Cause to this day, yeah, you still that brother from all my children. That's and you've been gone. You've been off. You've been off all my children. How long? Since '94. Richard Roundtree, um, he, he told me, he said he was, he got mad because everybody kept him. He said, man, I mean, I've done other stuff besides Shaft. And his daddy says, son, he said, there are a lot of people who have done things in his life don't nobody remember them doing. True. He said, the fact that these people associate you with that role, mm. you might want to embrace that, son. And he said, because he said he was bitter and angry about it. Yeah. He said that is what changed his view. He, he said ever since then, he has fully embraced, hey, chef, what's going on? He said because it was, it was so iconic. That's, that's just the power of, right. that, of that, that thing. You know how some carriers give you so little for your older busted phone you just end up living with it? I don't think so. Verizon lets you trade in your broken phone for a shiny new one. You break it, we upgrade it. You dunk it, doggy bone it. <laughs> Slam it, wham it, strawberry jam it. We upgrade it. Get a 5G phone on us with select plans. Every customer, current, new, or business. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. Talk about listening. Catherine Ponder has a book called Open Your Mind to Receive. Or I wrote my, 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 my faith-based book. It's called Listening to the Spirit Within. Right. And that's the thing, man, I, that a lot of people don't get. They go, Robert, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. You don't see it. Right. You don't see it. Right. Doesn't mean that I don't understand it. Right. And that man, I think, is, 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 a, is a testament to why, what you said earlier, why you have to pay attention and realize that your vision may be this. Yeah. But if you listen and say, no, no, actually, I, I, I got something for you. Sure. And you're going, but that's not on my list. No, 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 that's your list. That's your list. But trust me on this one. Right, right. And you know, today, man, we live in a world, you know, in the sense of, cancel culture, in the sense of, you look at Twitter and, and all the other social media platforms and how people will attack somebody for their viewpoint or their choices or whatever, you know, that there's no room for someone to, to make a choice that's unpopular and, and, and get on the other side of it, that 
so many people are making choices that is going to cause the least amount of ruffle. You right. Know, that's going to keep them out of the focus and the limelight so they shut it down or shut up or they won't speak on it. Or because they, they, they wouldn't do, would do the go along to get along. They go along to get along. As opposed to say, no, this is my view. I am firm. I have researched it. This is my... And, and it, it is sound. It is just. It's not crazy. It's not deranged. Right. It's not... And if you want to debate me on it, Let's go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Sure. Oh, yeah, there are a lot of people who choo choose that, that easy way out. Sure. Because I get it. Man, 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 you went hard on that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I was literally, before we even sat out, there was a video that was going around, uh, a fight broke out at the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Right. And I posted, I said, I do not understand adult people fighting. So there's a white woman who was with a black guy, She's, a, she's yelling and cussing at another black guy. Then she touches him or something. All of a sudden, he responds, punches her, gets into a fight. Her man gets involved. Then this whole thing escalates. So I, I put this up there. Oh, and all these people attacking me. Man, you side with the white woman. I said, did you not read what I said? Mm. I said, I don't understand adult people fighting. Mm. I said, I said y'all ain't using critical thinking. I said, first of all, she based upon the start of this whole deal. Her man should have intervened and said, baby, I need you to chill. Mm. One, we don't know who this fool is. We don't know what he doing, what mm -hmm. he care, what he capable of. Mm -hmm. I said, it's called de-escalation. Mm -hmm. I said, then, I said, so y'all are, man, he had right to defend himself. I said, true. I said, but I need you to think that thing through. Mm -hmm. I said, now we might get criminal charges filed. Mm -hmm. Now we might have a civil suit filed. Mm -hmm. When it could have been, you a fool. Security. Mm-hmm. I said, so y'all are sitting here mad at me saying, oh, you signed with the white woman. I said, no, you're not thinking through mm. what might. Mm. I said, so altercations, mm -hmm. a verbal disagreement, mm -hmm. a bump, mm -hmm. a stepping on my shoe. Mm -hmm. Man, what the hell wrong with you? All of that then escalates in you, then back, then you. And now somebody might end up beaten up, stabbed, shot, dead. Absolutely. Because of a simple thing. Right. Because grown folk, I said, that's what y'all not seeing. Right, exactly. I said, you got, I said, you've got to play that thing through. Now, if I do this, 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 this. Yeah. But a lot of people don't do that in their careers, in their marriages, in their relationships. Yeah. They don't play that thing through. They just only see it yeah. in the moment we're in. Hey, look, you know, one of the things that has been a real savior to me in terms of my life, in terms of what I engage, engage in or what I allow myself to be affected by is uh, the alcoholic's prayer. Um, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I can't change you. I can change me. Mm -hmm. I can change the way that I react to things. Mm -hmm. And I got to understand the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, I don't get caught up in the things that, you know, it's like I was talking to a friend, and they got drama. Drama, drama, drama. And it's like 
you know, it's sort of like, as a teacher, the one thing that I have learned is the fact that, um, the, the, the fact that, that um, you know, a psychiatrist cannot internalize. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, after two patients, they got to quit. Absolutely. They got to shut it down for the day. You have to be able to horseshoe. Information comes in, and you put the responsibility back where it goes. So it's in terms of, I completely understand. So what are you going to do about that? So how do you feel about that? So what do you think the answer is? Rather than sympathizing. It's empathy versus sympathy. Mm -hmm. Empathizing is understanding it so that you can relate. Sympathy is duplicating it, taking it in, and I get right on the same level with you and experience those same emotions with you, which helps you to get even sicker. You understand what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. And so if, for me, because what's true for me is true for me, that I have to understand that which I can do something about and that which I can't. And that which I can't, you know, I can try to support you asking mm -hmm. the next question to help you deal with it. Because mm -hmm. that problem didn't just start right. a moment ago. Right. That's got history. Right. If it's hysterical, it's historical. And so deal with that history. Two questions left. First, you've mentioned teaching several times. Um, what have you, not what have they gotten, but what have you gotten out of your teaching school? What joy does that bring to you? Why did you want to do that? I started teaching because my mentor asked me to. Because everybody can't teach. No, everybody cannot teach. And, you know, here's, here's the real key to teaching for me, and this is the joy I get out of it. Marie Montessori, Montessori schools all over the world, mm -hmm. Marie, uh, you know, Dr. Montessori's um, concept was that it's the teacher's job to provide a place where growth can occur. And the job of the teacher is to pull things out and not to put things in. So my interest is in terms of finding the magic and the joy that exists in each one of us and to help to pull that out. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I see that happen, like, for instance, there's one young lady in, that's a mentee. Um, her, her name is Nyre Francis. When she came into the program, she was 12. And she was reading on a second grade level. Mm. And she had kind of a lisp. I put a cork in her mouth to have her work on strengthening the muscles in her mouth twice a day, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. Um, I encouraged her to write. She's now an accomplished poet. Hmm. She's an accomplished uh, creator. She's an accomplished filmmaker. 
She's a bright, powerful leader of a person. And to be able to see that and to be able to know, to know that, that, you know, that, that I, was, I was able to pull that out of her, um, there's no greater joy in the world. That, that is a, a, a blessing that, um, that gives me fuel to continue to do that. Final question. So you've done a lot. You could easily chill, relax, travel with the wife, go to events. What do you still want to do in your career? What do you, is there something that you have not done that you, I want to do that? I think the, no, I know that the thing that I'm most interested in is moving our culture forward. And whatever form that takes, and right now it's through our foundation where we're helping the community and helping people. We're trying to build an online, we're building a station where we can put our stuff up so that we have more of a mm -hmm. global reach with the concept of 100 asses in the seats and 10,000 eyeballs mm -hmm. on it. I want to help uh, the culture of our children with the state of affairs of what's going on in this country and the economic future, fiscal literacy, the importance of that. When we look at global warming, preparing our children and grandchildren to be able to survive, I can't afford to, to just go, I would love to be able to go and play golf every day. That would be great for me and the rest of my life. But I want my children to have a place that uh, they could take advantage of. I don't want them to, if you look at, there's a, there's a film called Soylent Green. You ever see it? Mm -mm. Check it out. It, it was shot in the 60s, and it was about the effect, of, ultimately, they didn't call it global warming, but the effect of a, of, a, of a planet that has gone wrong. And it takes place in 2022. Now, this was shot in the 60s. Mm. So 2022 was like right. way in the right. future. Well, here we are, and there it's coming. Right. Water is drying up. We're in a crisis that right now we don't feel. In 50 years, it's going to be a whole other world. I don't want to leave my children and say, well, what did you do? So I want to move the culture forward. And that's the most important thing that I can do. Mm -hmm. And the rest of my good years, because i got a lot of good years mm -hmm. left, God willing, that, um, that I want to continue doing that. Well, you don't have to play golf every day, but you can do three, four days a week. I just built, I'm going to show you when now, we, when, now, I, I just built me a golf simulator. Oh, bro. I'll show it to I, you. I'm a golfer. Hey, look, I, at my house, I am now able to get in this golf simulator, and I swear to God, it's like. Oh, you got, hey, <laughs> I got three sets of golf clubs in three cities. Hey. So. We got to play. Any, any time, look, you don't understand. I don't need, like, you know, six months, three months. If we in the same city, 
I just need 30 minute notice. I have canceled many a meeting. That's what I'm trying to avoid. And, and my, no, 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 because, and my wife knows. She knows how I feel about golf. Yeah. She knows. Yeah. It's like, look, I married 18 holes <laughs> before we got married. Yeah. So she knows that's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> we gonna do it. That's beautiful. Richard, I appreciate it, man. Hey, man, I've had fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs> 